For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. And welcome to Wrestling with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane. Just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and friend request, and I will probably give you my return. And of course, I got to get some shameless self promotion out of the way. Uh, you can get your Wrestling with Problems show on PressingTees.com. Just look up PressingTees.com. Wrestling with Problems. I am not currently wearing the shirt because apparently I've learned that you need to wash these shirts occasionally. Who knew? But that provides opportunity. That means you shouldn't just buy one shirt. You should buy multiple shirts. In fact, if you buy seven shirts, you have one for each day. As a matter of fact, buy eight. Buy eight, you have one for each day and one to do while you're doing laundry. So the perfect way to do it, support the show, to buy eight Wrestling with Problems shirts and we'll be greatly appreciated. In fact, if you buy eight shirts, I will actually see your name on the air. So if you need to get extra shirt, there you go. Anyway, King David Lane on all social media platforms, uh, uh, major ones at least. King David Comedy coming with K also on major social media platforms. Uh, I do weekly open mic at Deep Forms Comedy Theater and Movie Section of Gary Indiana, so come check that out. Uh, doors open at 7 for happy hour. There's skillways and such. Come check that out. Admission is free every Wednesday for that, so definitely come check it out. I also perform uh, improv with Disposable Theater, so come check that out. Uh, you can go to Disposable Theater's website to get individual dates. But we got an upcoming show on, at Anderson uh, Winery in Valparaiso. I believe that is Friday, June 25th. Just let me double-check that. I believe it's, uh, June 25th is the correct day, if that's the Friday. Uh, so just let me briefly look at the calendar real fast. Uh, let's see. The calendar says that is... Google is terrible when you Google it. Uh, when you Google a calendar, it keeps giving you little, little small versions of the calendar instead of the giant one that I actually want to see what it is. Anyway, screw it. I'll come back. If June 25th is not the correct day, I'll come back to that later. <laughs> At any rate, but that is, uh, okay, here we go. Yes, definitely June 25th, uh, will be that show. Uh, you can get tickets, uh, you can look on Facebook for the dinner and show link on disposable theaters, uh, Facebook page, that's Disposable Theater Productions Facebook page if you want to do it that way, or also you can go to the Disposable Theater website and get it there. Tickets for that are 50 bucks. Wonderful evening, you have wonderful food, wonderful drinks, as well as a show to go with you. So it's an all-encompassing evening, so definitely come check that out again. That's in Valparaiso, Anderson Winery, Disposable Theater Improv. And that's right, you actually get to yell stuff that's during the show. You know, when we ask you to, don't just randomly yell stuff. We don't appreciate that. Good times will be had by all. Uh, I also got some other shows coming up, but uh, 
I'll get to those at some other time. But those are the main ones right now. Uh, I got a show coming up August 7th at Eastwind Studios, and we headline for that mark, and I will be the host of that show. That will be a Saturday, and tickets should be on sale for that very, very soon. So anyway, let's move on to the actual wrestling stuff, since this is a wrestling podcast mostly. Wrestling and problems, so uh, we'll get to some wrestling stuff. Uh, I apologize to anybody who listened to last week's show. I did not do predictions for NXT TakeOver in your house 2021, because I literally forgot it was coming up. That is a disadvantage to doing your show on Monday. You forget what they're going to do almost a week in advance. So I did do a, uh, a Wrestling with Problems Express edition. So if you still want to see what I predicted, you can go on my uh, social media platforms, YouTube, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and see what predictions I made. Anyway, I'll go ahead and do a recap of that show right now. We'll actually make our Hell in a Cell predictions towards the end of the show. That's right. I actually remembered the show this week. I actually... Let's be honest. Uh, the reality is I didn't – well, I did sort of forget last week, but I kind of didn't. Normally every week there's so many different, you know, major events. I go to the go to this website called uh, – I believe it's cagematch.net, I believe it is, but it has a list of all the uh, various uh, wrestling events coming up. It's uh, cagematch.net, and it's uh, got a card listing. They do, they, they do a really good job. So if you ever want to know what shows are coming up in the next – month or two, uh, they do a great job writing down not just, you know, WWE, TNA, Impact, but also a lot of the major indies like uh, Game Changer and a bunch of other ones, so uh, Combat Zone, so definitely check it out. I think they cover pretty much all the major uh, independents as far as that goes, and even some super shows that might not be affiliated strongly with one card or another, but last week I did have a, a bit of a rush. I had to, like, squeeze things in because I had a bunch of things to do last week, so I didn't get a chance to check the shot. I had to really squeeze in and try to get a 30-minute show. Normally, I try not to give you guys anything less than a 30-minute show, but to get your 30-minute show, I had a lot of news on to talk about, so I didn't even have time to check the shot. So, anyway, I've told you how the sausage is made. Now I'll get, I'll get into the recap and the uh, takeover show. Uh, of course, we had Todd Pingale back. Vic uh, Joseph, Wade Barrett, and Beth Phoenix were on the commentary. Ring announcer was Alicia Taylor. And overall, uh, I would call this a good card, not a great card. Uh, I have very high expectations for NXT TakeOver uh, events. I would say I was slightly disappointed uh, in this card, although they did make up for it uh, at one point, and I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, Ronson Reed and Nash Carter and Wes Lee, also known as MSK, uh, were a tag team, a six-man tag, but this is where were, were the champions versus challengers, whichever side uh, one of the match would either get or take all of the gold. Obviously, with Bronson Reed and MSK being the champions, they definitely wanted to defend their titles. Legado Del Fantasma, Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Pro Mendoza ended up losing, so they did not uh, take all the gold. Another interesting thing about this match is uh, – I guess it's just it was sort of implied that uh, Santos Escobar would get the NXT North American Championship and uh, Joaquin Wilde and Wilde Mendoza would get the NXT Championship. But I don't remember hearing that explicitly explained out <laughs> during the show. So that was my assumption. I also wondered uh, if they – when they do these sort of matches, like they might have like a – Sometimes they have they might have a match where there's like a tag team versus Intercontinental and a world champion or WWE champion, those sort of matches. They've done those in other promotions and stuff like that. 
always wondered, uh, it'd be interesting, I think, if uh, they did a situation where one of the champions had to back out. So would the match still be, you know, the tag team championship on one side versus just one of the titles on the other side? Or it does leave all sorts of interesting possibilities of, of heel ways you could sort of weasel out of the, the match. So I would be interested to see if they ever try to pull that angle because I don't think I've seen that one pulled before. And I would be interested, you know, to see this be that done as a storyline. Making an injury, all sorts of stuff you can do to sort of weasel your way out of the match. So, uh, And by the way, the beautiful part about that is if one of the champions weaseled their way out or if it was like, you know, four titles on the line and it's for a traditional tag team match or, you know, or a uh, situation like that is, it would be interesting to see if the if the tag team champions were both fighting for a singles title. I'm talking about, you know, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, where it might be the world champion or championship versus tag team champion, something like that. With the, uh, if one of the matches, if one of the uh, the titles holders backed out, with the tag team champions end up turning on each other because they both want to win the individual title. So they both want it to be the guy that pinned the guy with the title. So only one title was on the line. So it definitely opens you up to all sorts of possibilities. So I'd be interested in seeing that. But anyway, uh, obviously with, with these talented guys in the match, it was a good match. So I have no complaints about the match overall. It was enjoyable. It is just a nice personality, especially Joaquin Wow. So this was definitely a good match to kick off the card. In fact, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. Uh, next, we had Zia Lee with Boy and, and Mian, uh defeated Mercedes Martinez by pinfall in a singles match. Uh, this match didn't really stand out for me for a lot of reasons. It was it was solid. It wasn't bad, bad by any uh, stretch, but it was definitely solid. But relative, it was the shortest match on the card. Uh, and I'll get into I get now looking back I understand why it was a shorter match. I didn't realize how short it was when it happened. I just thought, you know, it left me lacking just a little bit, but I didn't hate it. Uh but I realized they did a lot of storyline after the match ended and that's probably, you know, affected how much time they had to actually interact in the ring. Uh they did a little angle where uh Zion Lee was was going to take a chair and attack Mercedes on the uh on the advice of her backer and it ended up not working out well. Usually, when you have a situation where the heel attacks the champion, it's after the heel loses. But this was interesting. They did it after the heel wins in a major match. You usually don't have that in a major match. That's usually something that happens on, like, uh, regular TV. So I thought it took an interesting turn. But then when Mercedes Martinez turned the tables, it was, it was interesting. They made her look strong in defeat. Because usually you get the heel that sort of does the – the beat down after, after the win. But this time the face ended up sort of doing, doing a beat down, but only after, you know, the heel was going to, you know, do it the other way. And then they did a, you know, they expanded on it. They ended up having uh, Mei Yin uh, come in and attack Mercedes Martinez and basically did a, a choke grip slam <laughs> threw her off the stage. I don't know if I just have not been – had not been paying close enough attention over the years. I did not, not over the years, but over the months. I did not realize Mei Yin was supposed to be female. I don't know if they had established that or not, and they just confirmed it, or I just hadn't been paying close enough attention. But uh, Mercedes Martinez definitely seemed to be under the impression that uh, Mei Yin was female. So I was like, okay. I didn't realize that was <laughs> – I didn't realize that was canon yet. Anyway, solid match, but not a great match. Nothing. There was nothing I hated about it, but I just was in love with the match overall. Relatively short. 
Uh, next, we had L.A. Knight defeated Cameron Grimes uh, for the vacant million dollar championship. Of course, Ted DiBiase brought down the million dollar championship. This was a nice long match. In fact, this is the second longest match on the card. Great letter match. Uh, this is probably the most uh, Cameron Grimes has ever impressed me in a match. Honestly, I literally couldn't remember any match fight his. I never had a great uh, read or opinion on his wrestling. I literally just didn't remember him in wrestling. I never really cared for his look. He just seemed kind of generic and bland when he was Trevor Lee. Uh, when he started doing his uh, his current uh, – in fact, not even just the current gimmick, but there, when they initially started going with his uh, – when they started heading his way even before they did the money stuff, where he was with Tito and Dexter Loomis, I really did start to try to get behind his character then. It's, it became, he became an enjoyable uh, worker for me then. Still, that could really didn't remember all that much about his actual wrestling, though. The character work was great, but the wrestling never really stood out for me. In this particular match, the wrestling actually did stood out for me. He was taking great bumps. He did some great spots. I never really even thought about him as a high flyer until he, uh, he sort of uh, the announced team did a good job of reinforcing him. That's part of his uh, skill set. And it made me focus on it a little bit more during the match. And I was like, okay, yeah, I see it. Uh, I guess part of this might be the fact that NXT, the weekly show, I usually don't put on the big screen. Uh, a lot of times I watch some of the weekly shows on the in the background where I read news and other stuff. There's so much wrestling. So, well, I do enjoy wrestling. I don't enjoy 20 hours a week wrestling. <laughs> I do uh, I do watch Dynamite closely. I do watch, I'm trying to make sure I watch all the pay-per-views closely. But the weekly shows, there's so much of it. I have a hard time getting all of it in. So, Although I usually try to pay closer attention if there's like, you know, a big angle running, particularly the close of the shows or the uh, one hour marketing shows. A lot of times they do, a lot of times they don't necessarily do all the great base stuff at the end of the show. A lot of times they do a lot of the big stuff in the middle, but just because it makes more sense. Uh, two hours in a row to put a big thing there or, you know, one hour in a dynamite to put a big thing there because, you know, you have different quarter hours and whatnot. They pay attention to that. Anyway, uh, a very, very good match by LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes impressed me. I actually didn't have much in memory of L.A. Knight's wrestling ability prior to this match either. <laughs> I had seen the Eli Drake character a lot, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the dummy drop and, you know, some of his interviews and promos and stuff, but actual his actual wrestling, I had not paid that much attention to previously, so this helped uh, elevate both guys in my eyes as far as that goes. Next, we had a singles match NXT Women's Championship. Uh, we had Raquel Gonzalez, champion with Dakota Kai, defeated Ember Moon by pinfall. Uh, very, very good work by uh, all the women in this match, not, and not just the combatants, but also Dakota Kai doing her heel interference thing, you know, putting fists on the ropes and interfering just enough where she didn't get caught. So that, that worked out very, very well. Uh Sashi Blackheart had a run in later after Dakota Kai kept cheating during the match so much. Although it was kind of weird that Sashi Black, Sashi Blackheart wasn't out there the whole time. And it would have made a lot more sense for her to be out there the whole time. If you're going to have Dakota Kai out there the whole time, it seems kind of silly that she would leave her friend out there by herself, <laughs> basically going two on one the whole time. But you know, it's wrestling. A lot of stuff doesn't always make sense. Overall, that was a very good. And an uh, interesting thing I noticed during the match, I don't know if this was the first, but it felt like that. It might have been. Pretty sure that might have been the first time when you had a singles women's match for a championship 
it is, and this could just be a case for a singles match for women in general, but I'm pretty sure for the NXT Women's Championship or many, any major women's championship that both of the combatants were women of color. Uh, you had uh, a woman of color referee, and you also had, a, uh, I believe, a woman of color ring announcer. I believe at least it was a woman of color. It was a little bit dark, so I didn't really get a good look. <laughs> look but I believe she is uh, a woman of color. So if I'm, if I'm, Mistaken, I apologize. Uh, but even if not, it's still, it still, it still would have been significant just to have all, all females doing all of those roles in a match. And again, like I said, you had two women do run as well. So you don't really get that a lot where then basically everything in a segment is all female. So it was, uh, impressive way to be an all female, if that's the case. If it was all female women of color, I believe that might have been history, but I'm not 100% sure. So. I did finish up watching it early today. I'm recording this on Monday. I did finish watching early shows. I have enough time to do a more thorough research of it because I'm trying to get the show out. So I apologize if I got that wrong, but I believe everything I said is correct. So if I did say something wrong, tweet at DLC Nation or at King David Lane, and I would appreciate you being correct with affirmation because, you know, I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong. It only happens like once every 20 or 30 years, but, you know, I can admit it in those rare occasions. Uh, last but not least, we had a uh, fatal, fatal five-way match for the NXT Championship. Uh, spoiler alert, it wasn't really a fatal five-way. Nobody died. I mean, that's good news. I'm not complaining. It's just, you know, I feel like you shouldn't call it a fatal five-way if nobody's going to die. But it's not that I want anybody to die. Anyway, Karrion Cross with, with Scarlett defeated Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunn by technical submission. He basically choked out Kyle O'Reilly. Kyle O'Reilly did an excellent job of selling me and choking out the drool and everything coming out of his mouth. Uh, there's a situation where Kyle O'Reilly had Adam Cole in a submission hole, but he refused to let go of the hole. So Karrion Cross uh, put him in a uh, submission hole, and he just wouldn't give it up. If he, they did sell at the end that maybe if Kyle O'Reilly had let Adam Cole out earlier, he would have been able to uh, get Karrion Cross off of him because you know, the rest of them the rest of the combatants were all like pretty much laid out at that point. So uh, I would say this was the, uh, this was definitely the peak of the show as far as the in-ring work. Uh, again, there was no bad ring work. I guess maybe just, I guess it was just, uh, I had, I have such high expectations for NXT TakeOver that I guess would maybe it was, maybe because of the fact it was only five matches and uh, the Zion Lee match ended up being so short that maybe that, uh, somehow ruined it for me, but until uh, the NXT Championship match, I probably I might have been given the show a B-. minus. And like I said, you know, a B- minus is not a terrible grade, but NXT TakeOver, I expected to give it, you know, an A or A- minus minimum. Uh, but overall, like I said, a very, a very it was it ended up being a good show. Like I said, I'm looking back on the show and everything I thought and felt, I felt like as I watched it earlier, it didn't quite meet my standards as much as I thought until I finally got to the carrying cross match. So I was tempted to be minus. Then when I watched the title match, that bumped it up. So uh, it went from a B minus card overall to like a B plus card. And like I said, I'm probably grading it harsher because it is the NXT takeover. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give it a B plus, which will be probably the lowest grade I've probably given a takeover that I remember. But it's not again. There was not, it's not B plus is still a good grade. It's just uh, 
it didn't meet the expectation I've had of NXT takeovers, but there was nothing bad about it. I, I really found nothing to complain about, truly. It's just it didn't meet my traditional standards for NXT takeover, which are, granted, very, very high standards. Anyway, let's move on to some other things in the world of wrestling because we do still have our predictions for Hell in a Cell to come up, and I got a bunch of other uh, news I want to discuss before I get to that, so I'm going to go ahead and do that now. Uh, I guess I'll start off with some sad news. Uh, I know, you know, a lot of listeners to this show aren't necessarily, you know, huge uh, fans of uh, Indian independent wrestling, but uh, a major Indian wrestling star, Major X, passed away at the age of uh, 22, I believe. Uh, I've seen 22 and 23 written, but most of the places I'm seeing 22, so I'm going with that right now. Uh if you go to uh, Twitter, you can see Russell Stars uh, at Russell Star Twitter account. That's the uh, organization he did wrestle for. Uh, so he was he was a big star in their scene. He not only was a wrestler, he actually worked behind the scenes as well. So he did a, he did a lot of different uh, things for that company. Uh, he did like PR and some other things uh, for the uh, for the company. So he, he held a variety of positions. He did a great job sort of helping build the Indian wrestling market. Uh, he also handled, like I said, uh, he handled uh, their marketing and public relations for Wrestle Square. He was a former uh, tag team champion there. He was an actual trainer with the, uh, with the company as well. So he did a lot of uh, things for them. Uh, his idols were... Uh, John Moxley in, in American wrestling. And you can see it a little bit in his style. He did have a little bit of a army fatigue sort of a style that matches some of the outfits that uh, John Moxley wore when he wrestled. So you can definitely probably see the difference there. Uh, his other uh, his other wrestling idols, Indian wrestler, Balian Aki, I believe is uh, how it's pronounced. I apologize if I get that wrong. Uh, Major X's uh, his uh, government name was Ashish Chihari, I believe. I again apologize if I did not pronounce that correctly, but I hope that I did get it right because I do want to prepare respect to him, so I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I did not pronounce it correctly. But uh, if you do want to see a little bit more about the man and his style, uh, there's there's a couple matches on YouTube. There's a match with him against D-Man. Uh, for uh, it's listed under Major X versus D-Man Indian Wrestling Professional Wrestling Match. You can also look up his, his match against uh, Jigsaw on YouTube. Major X versus Jigsaw Indian Wrestling full match. So uh, if you got a minute, you'd like to see some things that are a little bit different as well. Uh, you can see that uh, it's always uh, good to get some sort of other uh forms of wrestling, like I said, not just, you know, WWE or even AEW or MLW, TNA, or any other. It's always nice to get some other stuff and things you haven't experienced. So always, plus, again, India is like the second probably biggest wrestling market in the world after the United States. Uh, actually, if you really think about it, it's probably first. It's just, uh, the money isn't quite up there just yet as far as taking them on, but as far as number of actual uh both people there and people who follow it is probably number one. So WWE will definitely be taking uh, more strides into trying to develop that market. And a lot of these stars on, in, probably in Russell Square will probably be some of the people we do see 
uh, going forward. Anyway, rest in peace, uh, Major X, Ashish Chahari. There's no real good way to transition that, so I'm just going to try to move on to something hopefully a little bit happier. Uh, the results are in for AE Biography, the WWE Legends full season viewership numbers are out. So they ended up doing roughly eight weeks of uh, biographies. Each one was about two hours, uh, covering some of the most influential names. Uh, it kind of started with the walking wrestling era and went through the uh, the attitude era for the most part. But uh, interesting results. Uh, these were the uh, amount of uh, viewers. Uh, 1.062 million viewers for Steve Austin. Uh, with a .38 rating in the 18-49. Roddy Piper did 880,000, .27 in the demo. 790,000 for Randy Savage, .31 in the demo. Uh, Booker T, 595,000, .24 in the demo. Shawn Michaels, 634,000, .22 in the demo. Ultimate Warrior, 767,000, .29 in the demo. Uh, Mick Foley, I'm not actually surprised by this. this did the lowest number, 518,000.2 in the demo. And Bret Hart did 643,000.26 in the demo. Um, although I'm sure Bret Hart is glad that he outdid Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it was considered a, quote, limited series. So it's possible there might be uh, more uh, to come. There might be a season two. So uh, very, very interesting uh there was no, there was no Hogan. When I think about it, just, just noticing, that. I was like, there was no Hogan. There was no Andre Giant. Although there's been other documentaries of those. It's not like they've, they've never been done. But you figure those probably would have been something they want to hit, make sure they get the ratings for. Them. Anyway, moving on. Arthur's of Pain denied they had retired. Uh, there was, you know, word going around that they had been retired. In fact, it came up on Fightful uh, a few days ago that Arthur's of Pain had retired. Uh, apparently journalist Sean Ross Sapp reached out to Rizar for an interview reply. I'm not arrested. We've seen corroborate news that they were effectively retired. Uh, Akeem has since replied, uh, Akeem has replied about the buzz about their status. Quit to win, man. We have not seen the last of their team or their former, former manager, Paul Ehrman. So they actually put eight done yet bitches on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and any, uh, tag, uh, at Albanian Psycho. At Paul Ellie WWE, hashtag pro wrestling, and posted a picture. So this is on June 10th. Uh, we're the 14th of, uh, as of this recording. Uh, they haven't been seen in a while since they, uh, since they left, uh, WWE. Apparently AEW said that they're not really interested at this time. They don't feel like they're, uh, a good fit. Apparently New Japan doesn't have the budget to make a deal for them to happen. But apparently they do want to come back, and they uh, they do want to come back as a team. So uh, I kind of felt like they were giving a raw deal, although, you know, it's like we say in sports sometimes, too. You know, your, your most important ability is availability, and they did end up getting hurt a lot. I don't, I don't feel when they weren't hurt, though, they did the best job of uh, using them, though, so – uh, hopefully, they, hopefully they, if they do come back, hopefully they will be able to come back. And if they do, they will be used uh, properly and they'll have a little bit better health this time. <sighs> Fingers crossed. 
Next, we got Tammy Lynn Sitz, a.k.a. Sunny, has been released from prison. This feels like a story we can make almost every few months. <laughs> but, uh, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I do want to give credit to uh, some of the sites that have uh, given some of the information I've used. Most of the news, news and information I've uh, discussed has come from uh, scoops.com, although the major X information has come from celebritydeaths.com, uh, as well as uh, WrestleMap. Dot com. So uh do want to uh, give proper attribution for the sources I've used for this, uh, for the news I've used for this podcast. Anyway, like I mentioned, Tammy Sitch has been released. According to New Jersey's Monmouth County Correctional Institution, she's no longer a house facility. She'd been there almost a year. She apparently went in July 2020. Uh, she had been paroled. February after serving one year in jail due to senior DUIs, and then she had a parole revoked, so she got arrested again in July. So again, like like I said, it feels like, kind of like she's released from jail every few months or sent to jail every few months. Uh, she had uh, been promoting a cameo account as well as an OnlyFans account uh, when she's not in jail. So I assume that's what she's doing now. So if you want a message from her, feel free to uh, look into that. Uh, I do hope that she is able to get her life together finally and move on and have a successful, you know, uh, last half, roughly, give or take, depending on how long she lives of her life. Hopefully she's, a, she's not another tragic cautionary tale long-term for the rest of her life. Hopefully she's got the rough stuff out of her way. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I, like every time I see a story and, I thought she, the one time I really thought she had sort of got her stuff together was right before she went to Hall of Fame because she, she was looking good, unless she was feeling good. And once she got into Hall of Fame, it felt like that did not stick around anymore. So I wish her the best, but if I was a gambling man, if you're, if you're not watching the video, I just have to shake my head. I forget sometimes that everybody can't see the video. Uh, Another sort of sad, but also a little bit uplifting news. Obviously, we mentioned Stephen Michael going through LAS, uh, having a rough time of it lately. Uh, that's not the good news. The, the good news is they did have a benefit concert for him at a restaurant that's named after him, Mongolman Michaels in Romeoville, Illinois. Uh, Dan Hampton, uh, another teammate of his on 85 Bears. And as you know, uh, myself, Brian, Chris Best were all like Chicago Bears fan of the Chicago area even though we're technically in North Indiana. Uh, if you're not familiar with the way our area works, basically Chicago teams are what we root for. There are teams in Indianapolis. Most people in our area are root for the Chicago teams. As you start to get, I guess, maybe to, towards LaPorte, I think uh, LaPorte, Indiana, I think that's where you start to get people starting to root for the Indianapolis teams, like the uh, Colts and the Pacers, but for the most part, I think Lake County, Porter County, uh, for the most part, we tend to lean towards the Chicago teams. Anyway, uh, they did do the benefit concert. Uh, there's a game, like we mentioned earlier, there's a gun for me to help him out. Uh, he, like I said, not only was the 85 bear, obviously he was a four member of the force in WCW during the Monday Night Wars. Uh, he needs a very, very expensive wheelchair to move around and the uh, issues with his health are definitely eating his uh, family's savings really, really quickly. Uh, Rick Flair even attended the event, so uh, 
obviously he was, he was a member of the force when we were clear too, so uh, it, was, it was good that we could sort of help him out and show some support to him. Anyway, the event was called Mungo Palooza. Again, if you do want to donate, you can go to our GoFundMe setup. Just, uh, you know, you can just Google it. Or you can just go to GoFundMe.com uh, slash F slash uh, let me let me let me do that again. Or you can also uh, purchase uh, Team Mongo shirts and bracelets at teammongo76.com. But the GoFundMe is gofundme.com uh, backslash F backslash Team Mongo. This next story is going to be the, probably the most interesting story because it's very very confusing to me. Uh, it's a very, very, uh, like I said, don't get me wrong. Let me, let me, let me explain this properly. Uh, Jake Atlas said he came out to Stephanie McMahon as gay, and that's not the interesting part. That's not the part that's confusing. You know, the part that's confusing is he said when he came, when he came out to Stephanie McMahon, he did not realize who Stephanie McMahon was. <laughs> I'm like, you're a guy in the wrestling industry. I assume you've been watching professional wrestling most of your life, but at least for a few years. How do you not know who Stephanie McMahon is? Like, literally, one of the uh, most powerful people, he admitted at the time, one of the most powerful people, when he's telling the story, one of the most powerful people in professional wrestling, he apparently appeared on an episode of Celebrity Under Bosses at Underscore Wrestling 2018, and that was the episode that also featured WWE uh, Chief Brand Officer Stephanie Man as an undercover boss. I did not watch that episode. I think I want to go back and check that out. Though. During the show, he explained that Stephanie wanted to become the first openly gay WWE champion. Okay, now, now I didn't quite get the understanding of the show, uh, the understanding of the story initially. I think I understand. I think I misrepresented. Uh, I think I misheard what, what was going on. I did not realize that that was when he uh, actually did not realize who Stephanie was. <laughs> that was the confusing part to me. I think I get it now. Because the first time I saw this uh, story, I was like, how do you not know who Stephanie Man is? Apparently, if she was an undercover boss, she would not be looking like Stephanie Man. This makes a hell of a lot more sense now. So I have solved the mystery. Anyway, he was hiding in this role by WWE after that, and he was officially signed as a wrestler in 2019. The episode happened in 2018, uh, and then he was actually signed as a wrestler in 2019. So, uh, sometimes you solve your own problems. So, like I said, this is wrestling with problems. Sometimes we deal with problems. That was a problem. I actually fixed a problem on my own. Now let's go ahead and get into our episodes, uh, our predictions for Hell in a Cell. By the way, I do like the uh, Hell in a Cell poster. It has Bobby Lashley with Hell in a Cell on his shades. He's sort of looking over his uh, clenched hands menacingly. So it's a, I definitely like this poster featuring Bobby Lashley. Oh, yeah, by the way, side note, uh, uh, before we get into that, it was very, very funny to listen to uh, WWE slash NXT hype their record crowd <laughs> at the uh, Capitol Wrestling Center. Uh, I know some people were saying it was like 300 people, so 300 people is a record crowd. I guess I could hype my audience for NXT TakeOver. Uh, it tied for one of the most highest-rated NXT TakeOvers in my house, too. They had an audience of one, and that's usually what the audience is, so it was a record crowd of one. So congratulations to NXT on that, too, I guess. That was probably the highest-paid beat they've ever made for my house as well. <laughs> anyway, back to Hell in a Cell. 
they only have five next listed. I'm assuming they'll probably add a few more because uh, that's again that's the disadvantage of recording your show on Monday. They'll probably add something on Raw SmackDown too. But right now they have five matches listed for the card, so I'll just go through those. Uh, they got a last chance Hell in a Cell match for the WWE Championship. I was going to say what what the hell is a last chance in a hill, last chance match, but I guess this is Drew McIntyre's last chance at Bobby Lashley. So you got Bobby Lashley chant with MVP versus Drew McIntyre. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that because uh, the way they have this list, I, these various matches, I'm not sure what order they're gonna be in. So I'm just because it's listed as having that big match the first match. They got Mr. Shane Baszler's last match. I don't think that will be the last match. But anyway, I'll just I'll do the predictions for the two biggest titles last, uh, two biggest males titles rather. I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction for Alexa Bliss and Baszler. Uh, uh, last week, Alexa Bliss sort of got the last laughs sort of in the whole situation where they had the weird ending in the Raw that was very, very confusing to people. People, Some people complained about some people loved. I personally liked it because they did something a little bit different as far as many had been doing for a while. It sort of had definitely had the Bray Wyatt vibe. And overall, I think it was – I think it wasn't quite – well, it wasn't quite executed – entirely the way I wanted it done. So I would have liked to see a little bit more, you know, there, there, as opposed to just the uh, menace and scaring part. I want to see a little bit more actual violence, although they, they could just be the way they're starting the story as opposed to where they're ending it. But overall, I did enjoy it overall. I thought it could use a little bit more substance, but I did. I, it, it wasn't so weak that I didn't enjoy it. So, so yeah. I'm going to figure since Shayna Baszler was the one that attacked Lazic, I'm, I'm assuming Raw, they're going to have Shayna Baszler get some sort of revenge on Alexa Bliss, which means alternating. It means Alexa Bliss gets to win Sunday. That's what, that's what I'm going to go with. So uh, that's a hell of a lot of speculation on my part. But that's what I'm going to go with. Alexa Bliss gets the win this time. And I think this is going to be a little bit of an ongoing feud that they'll carry on for a while. We got a Singles match for the WWE uh, Women's Championship. We got Bianca Belair versus Bailey. I'm going to go with Bianca Belair retains the title. They spent a lot of time building her up, so I don't think really uh, Bailey necessarily needs it. She's got her ding dong hello thing on. She's doing great things, so they're they're enjoying it. They built Bianca Belair to be sort of be the next big thing, so I think they're going to keep letting her be the next big thing. Next, we got a singles match for WWE Raw Women's Championship. We got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Uh, for this particular match, I'm going to go ahead and go with. Uh, I guess I'll go the same argument I used for uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey. I'm going to go with Ripley. Rhea Ripley is the next big thing. She doesn't. Charlotte doesn't really need the belt right now, so they're going to keep it on Rhea Ripley for a while. So uh, my prediction is Rhea Ripley. Next, we got uh, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman, the champion, versus Trey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio. This actually kind of feels kind of like a little bit rushed to put Rey Mysterio all of a sudden in, in a title picture when they've been doing the tag team title stuff, for, you know, for the most times. They feel like they kind of rushed together at the last minute. I think there's pretty much no way in the hell that Rey Mysterio is going to take the belt off of Roman Reigns right now. That seems pretty ridiculous. I think this will be a very, very interesting match, though. I think uh, Rey Mysterio will definitely show out, and Roman, and Roman Reigns will 
looks strong, so we have to make Roman Reigns look strong again. So I think Roman Reigns pulled off the victory here. Uh, and I think we'll see a little bit more of this sort of dynamic of the Uso sort of feuding and going back and forth here. I think uh, something will happen where we'll get a little bit more certainty about how the loyalties of the Usos is going to go. Whether, you know, Jay is going to pull Jimmy off with him or whether Jay's just going to stay with him and then Jimmy's just going to go off on his own. I think that will be somehow in the mix, however. Last, but certainly not least, we got Bobby Lassie with champ with MVP versus Drew McIntyre. Last chance to sell match for WWE Championship. I do believe this particular match will be a result of would it be a last would it, would it be a last chance uh, match? I, I, I think they're going to go ahead and just uh, give it back to Drew. I'm not 100 percent certain about that because again, you can always put Drew back in the title picture by having to face somebody else, but. I, I think they're going to go ahead and uh, give it back to Drew and let Drew actually have a chance to you know, sort of hold the title as crowds are coming back. He can sort of have the belt with, in front of crowds because that's something he didn't really get a chance to do when they gave his previous title on it. So uh, those are my thoughts on Hell in a Cell. You've already got my thoughts on various other subjects in the world of wrestling. So once again, you've been listening to Wrestling Problems. Thanks for listening. You have a great week. And feel free to give me your feedback at, at BLC Nation on Twitter, as well as King David Lane on Twitter and most major social media platforms. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. This is a sister, the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Cassie Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you were later there, too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major fads as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter, Chris Press discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
each and every Thursday night. Check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. Yeah, you get, get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.